Ricky, 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 Ricky. <laughs> oh, you're, so you got like a different key to you today, man. <laughs> Explain to me why you just tried to like uh, hit a baritone on that one today. Man, I've been sick for like the past three days and I was yeah. finally not sick. And my buddy had tickets to the Knicks game. So I went to the Knicks game last night and hit two parlays and just yelled my face off. <laughs> and then, of course, I go to a uh, to bar afterwards to finish watching the um, the Seahawks game. And I had a parlay that was this close to hitting, so I was yelling at the, the TV. Um, so it all worked out in the end because I ended up making a lot of money last night. It was a very, very, very lucky and good night for me. Um, but, man, if I just I so I had a parlay going with um, uh, um, uh, the Cowboys. I had CD anytime touchdown. I had Ferguson anytime touchdown. I had Dak over 284 yards, but I had Dallas minus nine and a half. Oof. And that ball went right through CD's hands. So I'm yeah. just like yelling at yeah. CD. I'm just like, what? I <laughs> catch the ball. Um, and now my voice is like blown out. So perfect time to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, worth it though, right? You got the money. That's all that matters, man. You could buy a new uh, throat. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, man. Oh, God. Man. And like, so I needed a, a DiVincenzo um, a three pointer um, and Duran to be under uh, 10 and a half last night. And Duran was at 10 and D- DiVincenzo was at six, like six minutes into the game. And so <laughs> they both like hit last minute. So like, the Knicks had already like clinched the game like two minutes right. before it was over, but like the game ended and Dern was still at ten. I was like, "Last go!" <laughs> oh man, just completely ruined my voice. But oh well. Uh, all right, man. A good thing is that we don't have really anything to talk about, right? There's yeah, right. <laughs> on Panthers this week. <laughs> also, thanks uh, Golden State for minus five and a half. Really helped me a lot too. Um, <laughs> man, I was just gambling to New York. <laughs> I, so, so I, so I, I did so well last week gambling, so so well. So I just kind of had like free money to play with, and then I hit so well again this last night. So I, I had a hundred. I always started my week with a hundred bucks. Um, so I didn't re-add anything this week. Uh, usually I take out, but I've been sick and I just haven't thought about it. So I looked at my account. I was at five sixty. Yeah. Uh, from this weekend, which is insane. And uh, after last night, I'm at eight ten. So like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm crushing. So I need to take some of it out, or my wife. That's good, man. It's a good time before you got Christmas coming up. You got a baby on the way. Right. Exactly. It's necessary it's right now. Smiling down on me. Smiling down on me. I haven't been betting the Panthers lately, so that's been helping me. So that's what you can do, man. Stay the hell away from it, just like everybody yeah. else is trying to. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Um, I think we got a lot to talk about, so we're just gonna like yeah. dive dive right in. Um, yep. Excuse the voice, Ricky's gonna do a lot of the talking today because I really can't. Um, so let's do a, a quick Titans recap. It kind of went exactly how we said it was gonna go. So. There's not really anything to talk about if you listen to our last episode because we just told you what was going to happen, and yeah. it happened. Um, I guess the one big highlight for me of that game is Jonathan Mingo's starting to figure it out a little bit. What, are you, what were your thoughts to the game? So Mingo's box score was solid, um, and and they used him in a couple of different ways. But, man, he had he had the most perplexing play of the day for me, though, in that entire game. <laughs> And people are blaming it on Bryce, saying that he was late on the throw. And it, it's the uh, it's the little dig route that he ran across. I, I, across I think everybody knows what play you're talking everybody about. Should know it by now, right? Um, Mingo mm. was pretty much wide open. Like there was there was nothing but green grass in front of him. Um, and the closest defender was probably eight nine yards away from him. 
Bryce was already scrambling for his life. It was on a play action. Now, look, Bryce did make a, a, a little bit of a mistake, in my opinion, where he did a double take back at the defensive line um, and on the play action move. That's something that you're not supposed to do. You're always taught not to do that. A, it takes an extra tick off of your processing ability, and it lets the defensive line know for a fact that you didn't just hand that ball off, right? Um, but so he, he rolls out, and he's immediately under pressure. Going across, Mingo pops across the middle of the, sc- the field. Bryce is able to elude that pressure and throw off platform and off schedule off his back foot. Throws the ball in the field of play. I mean, he puts it where Mingo can catch it. It's very easy to catch that ball. And Mingo just goes full speed ahead, man, and just cannot stop his momentum. Gets airborne while he's still in the field of play and ends up on his ass out of bounds with the ball in his hands. It's like, how did that even happen, bro? Like, the the body control and awareness of where you are on the field, those are very – elementary fundamentals of playing the wide receiver position, let alone as an NFL wide receiver. So, so yeah, man, Mingo had opportunities and he did some things that I thought were fine, but there, there is just this glaring lack of awareness, man. And feel free that we talked about a bunch with him. And you know what though, man, he's a rookie. He's a young guy where they're asking him to do some things that I don't really think were in his repertoire coming in. So, yeah, I'm going to give him a little bit of grace, but it, it is pretty ugly when you see stuff like that, though, because it's also then you get into this whole other narrative about, well, Bryce Young should have done this. Or Bryce Young should have it just I hate giving more reasons for people to say stupid things about Bryce Young. You know, yeah. what I mean? that always just ends up like grinding my gears. Yeah. You think A.J. Brown is going to look like that on a on a pass or like, you know, like, right. come on, guys. Like, we got to stop. We got to yeah. stop with the Bryce Young. Hey, like. Yeah. Everything can't be Bryce Young's fault. It's just no. so ridiculous when we're piling you know on this dude. Like, and like I was saying, though, it wasn't like Bryce was perfect. Bryce could have been perfect on that play, right? But what yeah. we're talking about here is why are we getting upset and demanding perfection Correct. Out of one rookie, our quarterback, and then absolving another rookie for something that you're not even asking him to be perfect. You're not even right. asking him to be great. You're asking him to be middle. Yeah. Bottom of, you know what I mean? Like an NFL man. wide receiver is what you're asking him to be. If you and people are like, well, he could have let him. If he let him, he's going to catch that ball on on the bench. Right. Out of bounds. Like, <laughs> you don't. You can't lead him, man. The way that he's running full speed, it's going to be out of bounds. Bryce tried everything he could to put that thing in in the field of play so that Mingo could make a, a play on it. That's what you do, right? That's what you're yeah, supposed yeah. to do as a quarterback is get your playmakers an opportunity. But, you know, that's we're nitpicking over one play. But Correct. Um, um, I, I think that, yeah, what we saw from the Titans game, exactly what we expected, defensive struggle. Um, I thought, our, again, man, our defense is just a really quality defensive unit right now under Giro Evero. Evero is just coaching his ass off, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Different different alignments and formations that he ran. Yeah. Fusion, um, especially on third downs, he, he had our – you know, Brian Burns, he had standing up in the interior of the defensive line, almost in that second level where the linebackers would sit, like in, in the Mike linebackers. And it just confused everything. And you could see it. He was running stunts and it just created a lot of confusion for Will Levis because one thing that Will Levis does, man, is he locks in on his initial primary read. And that is about all he does. And then he throws mm. a sidearm, you know, rocket to whoever is open. Um, but he just doesn't have a great field awareness and ability to read right now in the NFL. And, and Evero knew that. And he, and he implemented a game plan that did take advantage of that and created some confusion. 
And I thought that Will Levis had good moments, man, but Will Levis also looked like a rookie quarterback to me. And and oh uh, yeah. Just one of those things, man. Like we're we're so critical about Bryce because he was the number one overall pick. But the situation that he's in is just really tough, man. And and hey, we're about to get to the next segment of why it's been so tough, and that's because the head coach was garbage and now that's been corrected. So God man. So yeah, when I was talking about Mingo, he I the little things that he wasn't like the separation is there. His um his the way he runs routes is getting better. Yeah. He's getting better. And that's what I'm saying with Mingo. You can see him getting better. He's still that one play was just wow. Like it was like it's just like that that just like sums up the Panthers this year. It's just like yeah. that like what the hell are we doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so other yeah, other than that, I mean, we knew we were gonna have trouble stopping the run. Uh, uh Derrick Henry had two touchdowns. We knew we were going to be able to score. They're playing at home. They're three and one at home. Now they're four and one. I like them again this week at home. Um, that's just is it is what it. I actually kind of like the Texans. Uh, the Titans are going a little bit of a run here because they're trying to get healthy. And Jeffrey Simmons is that dude. Um, which yeah, Simmons is a beast, man. And we knew that was going to be a problem with the interior right. of the offensive line. Which also the interior of the offensive line got what two more injuries in this game. I mean, it's. it's <sighs> Flash of injuries that this that this offensive line has had to like withstand has been brutal, man. And Zavala now is on IR; he's done for the season. Um, Cade Mays injured his knee, and then mm. we pick up a couple of guys on waivers, or, or we promote Deontay Jackson um, back up, or Deontay Brown. <laughs> right. Deontay Brown. We elevate hey. him, sign Gabe Jackson. Sorry, I'm I'm making a combination player like a like a horse tackle. <laughs> Um, that's a Wood special that I just tried to do with the names. Um, oh man, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope uh, Deontay Brown's good. I like Devontae Brown, and he's lost. He's done a really good job losing weight. And yeah, man, he's, he's he's been really strong with his conditioning, and and you know they bring in Gabe Jackson, and it's an interesting thing because that's a guy that has a body type very similar to Deontay Brown. So maybe they're yeah. saying it would beef up that interior. But again, man, here's what I will point to with like the GM thing that we always talk about in the construction of this roster. If Gabe Jackson is better, if he's an if he's an upgrade, right? If he's an improvement on what we had, even before the injury, <laughs> why did it take until week thirteen to sign him, man? Like I, there are just some really puzzling things that happen with this Carolina Panthers organization, man. Like I look at Twitter today, it's like fitter watching offensive line practice. Like yeah, now now <laughs> it's yeah. week thirteen. <laughs> Well, and, and somebody made a joke, and they were like, well, Nicole Tepper must have had the day off, so Fitter had to go in and fill in for him by watching the mm-hmm. offensive line to get an idea of what's going on. And, and, and you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Teppers because there was the uh, press conference. If you haven't heard about that, that was a doozy. Uh, maybe we should just get into that. Let's, let's yeah. go ahead and put a cap on this Titans thing. This yeah. Game. It was a bad game. It sucked. We, it wasn't fun. It was, it was predictable. We knew exactly yeah. what was going to happen. Yeah, I and it happened, and that's what sucks is that how predictable we are. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but hopefully we're not anymore. We'll see what happens. Uh, so, uh, you you talked on uh, Panthers on Tap uh, podcast. Shout out to them. Yeah. About uh, the the right firing and your thoughts on it. So, if you've already heard uh, Ricky talk about it, um, I'm sure he has a couple more things that he's uh, thought about since then. Um, but you probably already heard him talk about this, but he's going to do it again because I can't really talk 
that much. So uh, Ricky's going to uh, take over most of this uh, part of the pod. So uh, in seven minutes or less, let's uh, let's talk about uh, the, the Reich fi- firing and your overall thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, so look, Frank Reich, by all accounts, and this is something that we have touched on. This is something that I think every publication, every podcast, um, beat reporters, and, and, and fans of the Indianapolis Colts, everybody has talked about. Frank Reich seems like a genuinely really nice guy, right? Yeah. He's like a caring individual. Um, he's an older dude. I think that my trepidation with him coming in when he was hired was I just don't want a stubborn old coach. That's all I was worried about. We were sold on the idea of collaboration and adaptability. And the more that comes out about the situation, the more that it kind of leans towards that stubbornness and that. He's a guy that got fired in the middle of last season, right? Because his team was underperforming dramatically again. And he always gets off to these slow starts, but that just can't be like a, oh, we'll be okay. Like we always start 0-5 or 0-4. It's just a bad look. And and he just didn't seem like he was making any progress with that in Indianapolis, so he got fired. We hire him in the next coaching cycle without him taking any time off, man. And like – I spoke about this on Panthers on Tap, and the analogy that I used was it's like a heavyweight boxing match, right? He goes into the ring, and he's fighting with the other guy, and he gets his ass kicked, right? Like, the other guy just whoops him, bloodies him up. He's got swollen eyes. He can't see straight, and he challenges. There's a rematch clause in it for another fight, but he wants to activate that rematch clause immediately while he's still in the ring and fight him again. You got to take a little time off, man. You just got whooped. You got to take a little bit of time to regroup, come up with a new plan of attack, Maybe you use a set fresh of eye, or a fresh set of eyes. Maybe you get a different trainer in, and you, and you approach things differently the next time. That didn't happen, I don't think. And I think that there was this revenge or redemption arc that Frank Reich might have had individually that clouded some of his judgment and some of his decision making here in Carolina. I think that he was hell bent on proving he still had it that he was fired for the wrong reasons. Because, again, man, now you're talking about Jim Irsay, the owner over there, who is a very erratic uh, individual. He's had issues with his drug use and all that kind of stuff, carrying around duffel bags of cash, saying that's normal for him. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people wanted to point to and say, Frank, man, he was a scapegoat. He caught a bad deal there. The more that you look at all of the um, similarities in the situations, it just seems like Frank might be a little bit overwhelmed with the NFL today. And that's okay, man. Take some time. Take some time off. He said this is probably the end of his NFL career as far as coaching. He's not sure of it. But I, I don't blame him on that, man. He's a really nice guy. He's got a nice family. Dude. So go enjoy the sunset. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be something you could do, man. Maybe you start like a socks company or something like that that has copper in it. You know, something to start blood flow. I, I don't really know, man. But there's got to be another way to do things for him that doesn't include being an NFL coach. Um, so from my standpoint, just from a team perspective, though, for the Panthers, you hear the reviews and the reactions that the players and even some of the other coaches have given in these last couple of days since the media has had access to them. There's not a resounding um, overall sentiment of we failed, Frank. We feel really bad about this. I wish he was still here. You're not getting that. We even got some of that when Matt Rule was fired from the from the mm-hmm. We're not getting it here. I don't want to say that that absolutely means that like the locker room was in disarray or that he had lost the locker room. 
Bozeman was asked specifically about that. Do you think that he lost the locker room? He said, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't put it that way. Anytime someone says that, they're like, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't put it that way. Probably means you're right, but I don't want to throw somebody under the bus when they're already in a bad situation. That's how I read that. At least. Mm-hmm. And then Bozeman also in particular had some really interesting comments about how he really stood up for David Tepper. And he was like, David Tepper did what was right for this football team. And he's got our best interest. They're just really telling sentiments, man, about such a well-regarded, high-respected guy. And this is the reaction that you're getting. Thomas Brown said that it was a loaded question when asked about him being fired and the opportunity that he was given. He said it was a loaded question. Ezio Evero, again, said thank you for the opportunity, but then just kind of went on with it. There's not a lot that you are getting from this that Frank Reich really had a grasp on the heartbeat of this football team. And I think that we've been touching on that. The lack of emotion that you see from him, the lack of transparency, just kind of like, ho-hum, I know you can't see it. It's a lot of that coach speak, man, and it it really is coming out in these reports that that wasn't far off that we were believing that, that we were actually pretty accurate with that reporting. Um, So from a team standpoint now at this point, you got Chris Tabor in there as the interim. Everything that you've heard about it is we want to uh, play loose. We want to have some fun. Go figure. Alex, you've been saying that for a really long time. We want to have some fun. We are playing a football game. We want people to play with confidence. Um, And and that is something that I think that you want to see here. We saw it when Wilkes took over from Matt Rule that an environment change and a change in voice and a change in approach can sometimes be all it takes to to ignite a spark and find out that your team isn't like dead. You know what I mean? There's still plenty of life here. You just need somebody that can actually facilitate – and get the most out of the players that, that you have in that locker room right now. Mm. So I, I'm looking forward to the change here. I, I wish Frank Reich nothing but the best. I also will say that I, I brought this up on Panthers on Tap, and I think it's important. Frank Reich brought good people with him here. One of the reasons that he was hired was because of his networking and his ability to mm. bring you know highly respected and experienced people into the fold as well as new people. Mm-hmm. And and that is a situation now that we're in, and we are really it, it's a better situation than what we could be in without Frank Reich having been hired because we've got Jim Caldwell who is going to oversee Thomas Brown as the offensive coordinator and play caller going forward. Chris Tabor, I mean, he's he was a holdover from the years with Rule as a special teams guy, but he's a really good coach. Zero Evero staying at defensive coordinator, I think, makes a ton of sense. It keeps some some normalcy going in the operations. The football operations stay the same with him calling the plays. Um, I, I, we're in a situation, we're going to get a really good, uh, look at what this group of players does with this coaching staff now, because we also got rid of Josh McCown and we also got rid of Deuce Staley. Mm-hmm. Reports about that Deuce Staley, really energetic guy, but they, I, I did see somewhere that there was some butting of heads and it was hard to get along with at times. Um, McCown, <laughs> Look, you got to put the McCown thing almost directly on the development of Bryce Young, too, right? The, these are guys that are positional coaches. Deuce Daly's running back rotation that he was supposed to be in charge of, Raheem Blackshear was inactive again against Tennessee on Sunday. Raheem Blackshear was the leading kick return, yards per average kick returner in the NFL, and he was inactive, and he was one of the only spark plugs out of the backfield that we even have on the roster that had shown life every single opportunity that he was given. That rotation was just wrong, man. And and I think it's okay to say that that's a justifiable reason to show him the door if that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Josh McCown, what progress did you make with Bryce Young 
after he hit that rookie wall? How did you get him to barrel through it? Because you didn't, right? He He's regressing. And the adage of there's too many cooks in the kitchen, I think that it's entirely accurate, man. We lose a few of these voices. We lose the Frank Reich voice. We lose Josh McCown. And we lose Deuce Staley, who was also the assistant head coach. Narrow down that, that line, right? Like trim it, that communication line. Let Jim Caldwell be very hands-on. Let Thomas Brown be very hands-on. And let that be it from an offensive standpoint for Bryce Young. That's mm-hmm. all he needs, man. He needs somebody that knows what he's talking about and not five different philosophies at all times, confusing him and making him try to figure out the world's problems when all he's trying to do is develop as a quarterback in the NFL. You know? Yeah. Um, so that's that's my initial thoughts on that. <clears throat> what do you what are your thoughts? Um, because my my initial thought on on Tabor taking over is I think it's brilliant. I think that it 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 takes away from who's the favorite to take over. Would it be Brown? Would it be Evero? Would it be called like it takes away all of that because Tabor's not going to be a head coach in the NFL. He's just not. Um, so you get to see Brown's empowered, Evero's still empowered. Let's see what you got. You still got six games. I'm excited. I'm so excited to see Brown without Reich. Just Absolutely. to see. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. Um, so I think that was. Uh, I don't want to say brilliant, but I think that was probably the best um, interim that you could have picked. Because we didn't want, we didn't want to, you also don't want to Steve Wilkes. Um, nothing against Steve Wilkes, but then you create the, now we can't do a full coaching search because half of the people want Wilkes to stay. And yeah, that's it, it takes away from our, our thought process. So, so yeah, talk about uh, uh, Tabor for a second. No, 100%. I, I agree with that mm-hmm. sentiment. And it's, it's the um, trying to avoid getting yourself in a jackpot like you were in last season. Where if you get and 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 sure he technically could run into it with Chris Tabor again, but Chris Tabor isn't the bright young mind or the rallying guy that is on this staff that everyone was excited about. Everyone when this staff was formed was really impressed that Evero even came here because Evero was a head coaching candidate already last season, right? And put out great tape as a defensive coordinator for the Broncos. And then he decides to come here. That was a huge get. Thomas Brown was a guy that has the pedigree of working under Sean McVay, that has the offensive mind that was revered as a offensive genius in in some circles, right? And these are young guys that have that modern NFL feel to them. Those were the guys that it was almost this idea that you bring them in so that you can get that third round compensatory pick when another team poaches them for their and that's the thing that Sean McVay does. He rarely hires from within, you know, cause he knows that he's going to get somebody to come and give him a free draft pick. That's also why he's willing <laughs> to throw those things out like Jolly Ranchers on Halloween. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that it's a very smart and forward thinking strategy, not to put those two guys up in the um, trial run immediately. Cause yeah. Still getting that in close or up close in depth look right now with them operating the capacities that they are right now with anything added. Mm-hmm. Find out what both of them have without the distraction of Frank Reich. Jim Caldwell, I think, is not not the de facto interim with Chris Tabor. It's not like they're like a combined thing, but I think he is to an extent, man. Yeah, yeah. I think that he's going to be a very important voice, especially on the offensive side. I think that he'll be the relied upon um, experience and, and guidance and all of that kind of stuff that Frank was supposed to be. I think Caldwell is just a better version of that 
Yeah. Jay Caldwell, I think, is a better offensive mind. You got to remember how incredible Jim Caldwell's resume is, man. This dude is a serious football guy. He has taken some lowly NFL franchises and turned them into <laughs> winners yep. and, and done it with some bare bones at times. So there's even – there's dude, there's so many wrinkles. There's even this thing that I'm thinking in my head. What if this is the staff? What if Jim Caldwell is the next head coach? What if Thomas Brown stays on as offensive coordinator? And what if uh, Ebro sticks on for defensive coordinator? I'm not saying that that's likely, but if it does happen and if it did happen, I would have zero qualms with that. You know what I mean? Like mm. that wouldn't bother me one single bit. Um, yeah. And and then it does too, man. And I don't think that they needed any favors done for them, but it takes away any kind of blemishes that they would have um, on their interim head coach records as far as Evero and Thomas Brown go. This team is one in 10, right? Or one in 11? One, uh, one in 10, one in 10, one in 10. Still in it. Let me stop that. <laughs> um, this takes away, though, we're one in 10, man. If we, let's say we only win one or two more games, if that, in the rest of the season, you don't really want one of their initial head coaching records to be one in five or one in seven. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's just not a fair thing to them because they didn't create the circumstance that they're in right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think that it makes a whole ton of sense. I think it keeps some normalcy within the locker room. I think it gives them their opportunity to prove what they can do. And I don't expect Thomas Brown to turn water to wine with this offense, but I do anticipate him having the free reign to incorporate more of what we thought he would incorporate, right? I. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm trying not to be too optimistic because that's the disease of being a Panthers fan is optimism. So I'm really trying not to fall back into that old routine. But I do just have this gut feeling that this is a nice and necessary switch up that this team can, just like last year, I think that we can respond accordingly, man. I really, really do. I, so nobody's, I, I, I haven't, I mean, I, I've been sick as a dog, so I haven't literally looked at Twitter or what anybody's saying, but I haven't seen this, but I'm a very objective person as far as looking, people talk, listen, and kind of like saying what, why things happen. Yeah. So in my opinion, everyone sees that uh, Thomas Brown is a talent um, in the staff. And that's why you get rid of Reich now. Because it looked like at the end of the year, it was either Riker or Brown, and one of them was leaving. Yeah. So you get Brown, you get rid of everybody else that is a potential threat to Brown. And like you get rid of Staley, you get rid of um, McCown, everybody that is an offensive threat. You put Caldwell in a kind of like a mentorship role. Like, mm-hmm. this is how you do it kind of mm-hmm. thing. So he really is like a consultant, like literally being like, you are the talent. Let yeah. me show you how to how to be a head coach and kind of molding him. Sure. Because I, in my opinion, based on everything that's happened, they want Brown. And I think Brown, and we've heard it all over. Like he was the most impressive person in the room, yada, 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 yada. Um, it looks like it is being molded and it's Brown for the taking if he performs. And I kind of think he's going to. I kind of think that, I don't know if they're going to win games. But they're going to score a whole a hell lot of a lot of more points. I think this is going to be a twenty points per game team instead of the fourteen points per game team that we've been seeing. And, and you know, man, even if the results aren't like grandiose and like huge and explosive, I think you want to see 
the players out there playing with confidence and with um, intent, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I just feel like the identity, the lack of identity that we've talked about so often, it, it stems from that head coach that we've touched on. And I, I really just want to see somebody be able to get their hands on this team, get the pulse of it, and, and have that translate to the on-field product. And if you can do that, then I do think that he has like an inside track, if you will. But I, I honestly, man, we could talk about some head coaching candidates too, because I think that's a yeah, we'll, part of this. Yeah, we can get. Uh, I, let's screw it. Let's do it right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we're going to get there, but eh, whatever. Uh, we're already talking about it. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. One last thing about Brown. Yeah. It looked like it was like these look like McVeigh guys. Like mm-hmm. these guys that we brought in look like McVeigh guys. And that's what was so confusing about running a half Reich system yeah. with McVeigh personnel. Um, so it, it, he, I, I feel that uh, um, Brown has the guys that he needs to succeed on offense, and we'll just mm-hmm. see, we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, let's go down. So, who are your favorite? Let's say top three, five uh, candidates that you think um, we'd look at bringing in. So I, I, I'll start with just the first right. two mm-hmm. internal candidates without putting them in my top three or whatever. But I do like both of them very much. And I hope that they show the or maintain success for Evero. And I hope that Thomas Brown shows success yeah. in the last few games. I think that both of them are, are deserving of interviews at the at the bare minimum. I, I do think that Evero has shown enough that he should be a head coach next year at some point or somewhere in the NFL. And I think that there's somebody that's going to give him that opportunity as well, what he's done with this unit. Um, I would not be upset at all if he stays here, man. I think that Ejiro Evero reads like a head coach. Um, external candidates. My number one is a number one that you're going to hear from everybody, and it's Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, yep. And, and it's for good reason, though, man. Like he, he has the experience under some really good coaches. He is learning right now. So one of my big always one of my big question marks when you take a coordinator or a assistant coach or anything that has not been a head coach in any capacity in any level of football i worry about the rah rah commanding a locker room and taking the entire group of players and being able to lead a room of men like that right that's always going to be my concern because i've never seen you do it so i don't know what mm-hmm. your style is doing that what i love about ben johnson He's learning that right now under Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell is the epitome of a leader, in my opinion. That dude will get anybody fired up for any task. He could be running a landscaping company, and you would see guys in a full sprint with a push mower cutting yards at a rapid pace just because of the motivation that he can instill into people. So Ben Johnson taking the extra time. And and look, Ben didn't shun the Panthers individually last year. That's another narrative that's going on. Ben had the opportunity to interview with a lot of people. And he did interview here. He didn't come to Carolina, but he interviewed remotely. He talked to other teams. He made a decision with his family, with his coaches that he was working with currently, that he wanted to see through what they have going in Detroit. I don't fault him for that, man. Like, I, I get it. He had something cooking there, and look at what they're doing right now. They're probably going to be a top three seed in the NFC for the playoffs, and they're going to be a contender to get into that NFC Championship Super Bowl conversation. 
And I know you don't like that. I know, but you didn't like it at the beginning of the year, and you thought they were overrated. And they're and they're not. They're they're a good football team. And Ben Johnson, <laughs> I think, and Johnson, honestly, from the offensive standpoint too, I think that he's even done better than he did last year. I think that he's grown and developed as a play caller. He has a very clear identity, and I what his identity is, I love. He wants to run the football. He's not this like I just want to air it out and and beat you by throwing it sixty times a game. He's taking a quarterback with physical limitations to Jared Goff. He's about as stationary as they come as a quarterback. And he's got a little bit of like, you know, the not the strongest arm, so he's got arm limitations, if you will. But he's an accurate guy, and when he plays within structure, he can execute an offensive game plan really well. He's a very cerebral player. I love how that could possibly translate with Bryce Young. I absolutely love it. And then you add in the off-platform, out-of-structure out stuff that Bryce excels at. You're not going to see Ben Johnson shy away from leaning into what Bryce Young can do. You are going to see him come up with an absolute tailored game plan to Bryce Young. And that's what you need. That's what a good coach does. So I'm very excited about that. And I love his emphasis on the offensive line and putting the right players in the offensive line. He was he was very involved in the drafting of Ragnall, their their center that they have over there. Um, Penny Sewell, he was a big advocate for it. I mean, he just has a knack for knowing what pieces need to go into that puzzle to solve it, right? Um, so I really like him. I, I still really like Jim Caldwell, too. I think that Jim Caldwell should get a shot here or get a, get a look here. I, I, I The only holdup I have with him is the age and, and what staff do you build because I'm not – I don't know that – Thomas Brown will stay on as an offensive coordinator if he gets another opportunity. So I'm just not sure how that works. Um, but Caldwell, from an ex experience standpoint, if we don't want to go with one of these young guns and you want to go with someone more proven, I do think that Caldwell would be my number one experience option. People yeah. love Harbaugh. Uh, uh, and I, man, I get it. Harbaugh instills <laughs> toughness and an identity into the teams that he goes to. But my concern with Harbaugh is a very similar concern I had with Frank, and that's the stubbornness and the mm. scheme that he will be able to implement and how creative and adaptive can he be with whatever offensive coordinator he brings in to make it a modern NFL offense as opposed to the last offense that he ran in San Francisco and the offense that he runs in Michigan. I don't particularly see that translating into today's NFL. Um, but I do love the identity aspect that he brings in the in the team structure and the hard nosed approach. I do like that. So with that train of thought, here's the guy that I really like: um, Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. I understand that he is a defensive minded guy, and that everyone wants an offensive minded guy to come in here. Frank Reich was an offensive minded coach. And we brought in a bunch of other offensive-minded gurus. We just got rid of three at a time because we had too much of that going on and no identity. Mike McDonald is a guy that spent years with the Baltimore franchise. He worked himself up from scouting. Um, I think he was a defensive assistant, coaching intern, defensive backs coach, all the way up to linebackers coach, right? Then he goes and he takes a job at Michigan as a defensive coordinator where he gets some play calling opportunities in a big situation. Michigan's a big time program. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that. Does great. His, his only year as defensive coordinator at Michigan leads him to the number eight scoring defense in the nation. Then he gets the job as the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. Now, here's the interesting thing. Harbaugh wanted him to interview and he did interview 
in the 2018 vacancy for the defensive coordinator position. And he just thought that he was probably a little bit too young, too green to mm-hmm. actually make it. Then he goes to Michigan. He gets that opportunity of play calling. Harbaugh brings him right back. The first chance that he sees him show that he can do it, he brings him back because that's how highly he thought of this kid. Brings him back, and he leads him to a top five defense in multiple categories, including the number three scoring defense in 2022. This year, he is absolutely shining. That Ravens defense is playing great ball. And you know what he did? He replaced Wink Martindale. And Wink Martindale's really highly thought of, right, as one of the better defensive minds. Oh, yeah, it was shocking firing, yeah. Well, you know why they fired him? Because he was super stubborn about his scheme Mm -hmm. and about staying with his man-heavy system. Despite having a rash of injuries to that secondary and not having enough corners, that could actually excel in playing man-to-man coverage. But he would not budge from that ideal. He was stubborn, and he stuck with it. Mm -hmm. Mike McDonald is the opposite. Mike McDonald is revered for his flexibility in his defensive scheme. He came in, and he tailor-fit that defense to what they had on that roster. I understand the um, worries and concerns with him not being an offensive guy. But the mind state of being very flexible and knowing that you have to play to your roster strengths and not to your own internal idea of what you should be doing on defense or offense or anything, I think that translates into what he would want from the offensive coaching staff next to him, right, or underneath him. I think he would value that same exact thing, and he would put emphasis on finding somebody that could do just that. I think you you get a vision in place. And you want to get to that point eventually. But for the time being, you look at the pieces that you have and you execute what you can there. Then you bring in the pieces to eventually get you to that grand scheme that you have a mind for, right? The other I really like, Leslie Frazier worked with Mike McDonald in Baltimore. And Mike was uh, charged with suggesting pressures for the team to use on third downs. That was one of his job descriptions, right? Through those responsibilities, Frazier was quoted by saying to McDonald, exhibited a great knowledge of offensive intent, meaning that even though he comes from a defensive background, and that's his calling card, he has a really high conceptual understanding of what is happening on the offensive side of the ball. I love that, man. And it tells me it's very similar to like you think of like a um, Brandon Staley in the Chargers, and I know that he's not working out, but he's one of those young minds that everyone thought had the ability. Yeah, he's defensive-minded, but he, he kind of sees the big picture. Of a lot of things, Zach Taylor, I think, in Cincinnati is one of those guys as well. Um, Bobby Slowick started on the defensive side of things in San Francisco. You know what I mean? So mm. being a defensive coach doesn't mean that you have no idea of how to run an NFL offense. It, in fact, sometimes it can benefit you to know exactly what you want to take away from the modern NFL, and that's what you want to see from your offense. Mm-hmm. I like Mike McDonald, Mike McDonald a lot. I think that he has a lot to bring to the table. His team speaks really highly of him. And I, I just see him being a really high-demand coach. If it's not this coaching cycle, it's going to be next one. And I'm not going to dismiss him just because of the fact that he's a defensive coach. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think if we, if we get a defensive coach, it'll be Evero. Uh, just because... Yeah, I mean, and I'm not mad at that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the only way we go external is if it's an offensive guy. Um, excuse me. Um, Jim Caldwell, uh, he's, I think he said he didn't want to coach anymore. Like he doesn't want to be a head coach ever again, but he's, I mean, he's the only way he would take a job is if it was as a head coach. He's oh, 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 that's what he said. Yeah, gotcha. Pepper threw a 
giant bag of cash at him. But I mean, he literally said that the only job he would take in the NFL was as a head coach. Yeah. I mean, I've always liked, uh, I, I, I mean, I've always liked him. Um, other defensive uh, coaching candidate, if we didn't go Evero Flores, man, what he's done with that Vikings yeah. team is just yep. absolutely insane. That 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 Vikings defense was awful, and they look really, really good now. And we have to acknowledge, obviously, that fans are going to want to reach back out to Steve Wilkes, and that's been talked about a lot of times. I just think you there's, can't do there's, that. There's a lot of groveling that would have to happen on the yeah. side, and I don't see that <laughs> happening. I also don't know that Steve Wilkes would be interested in working for the guy that passed him over like that, and I wouldn't blame him. Yeah, no. Having interest. So I, I wouldn't get your hopes up on that if you are a Steve Wilkes truther, and, and for good reason you were. He was the right choice, I think. But I wouldn't get your hopes up on the fact that there's going to be some like reunion and he's going to come back and protect the bank again. Yeah, it, it's too soon. It's same with like a guy like the enemy. Like We've already said no to him, so it's like – and he looks like a backup plan now. Like It's like weird – yeah. Um, Matt Nagy, nobody's talking about. I kind of like him as a hire. Really? They'd be, yeah. man, that team would be 11 and 0 if their receivers could catch. Um, yeah, and he man. took, he took, he took uh, Mitch Trubisky to the playoffs, what, three times? He did. Uh, uh, so I don't like, uh, honestly, I, I, I am fairly, when I say fairly confident, I mean like 51% that this is Thomas Brown's job to lose. Wow. In my opinion. I, 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 everything just like is, Everything is just the way everything like why why do you fire right midseason? Like Well, because he was one in ten. And and then you hear correct. the reports, but then you hear the reports too that the front office, and this is something from the David Tepper press conference. Um, maybe this is a nice segue right into that. Yes. You hear that um, You're way better at this than I am. <laughs> you hear that um the front office approach, Kyle Bailey of WFNZ um reported this that he was told from a team source that front office had approached Frank Reich about possibly incorporating more RPO looks and concepts into the offense to benefit Bryce Young. And a lot of people are saying that that's David Tepper involving himself in the play calling on offense. And because there was a report from, I think it was Ben Albright, the the Denver Broncos reporter. um, Who gets a lot of stuff wrong, man. He gets a lot of stuff wrong, dude, and he also does some embarrassing shit on the internet. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to just take everything that he says with a little great assault. Yeah, and, man. And I'll hold off on believing that because what he said is that at some point, Tepper had watched a Cleveland Browns game and wrote down the play that he saw and told a coach that he wanted him to run this. Now, he also didn't say that was Frank Reich. Could have been Matt Rule. Could have been Ben McAdoo. He didn't give any kind of specifics on that. He just said that that was his report and he knew that it to be true. Whatever, man. But that issue compounding with what Kyle Bailey is reporting. Now, I believe what Kyle Bailey is saying. And the reason I believe what Kyle Bailey is reporting, A, because he's a reputable person in local media that has plenty of valid connections and sources. But B, because Frank Reich himself said at his intro presser, and again, when they drafted Bryce Young, that they would be implementing RPO concepts. And that's how they would work play action and building off of the run and all kinds of things to play into Bryce Young's strengths. Not only that, but Frank Reich used RPOs heavily in Indianapolis and in Philadelphia when he took Nick Foles to the Super Bowl. He used RPOs a lot. So not using them here was a very strange thing. And the, and the report was when Frank, White, when Frank Reich was approached with that idea from the front office, again, they said front office. They did not say David Tepper individually came to him and requested that. When he was approached, he said, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't fit my offensive system. 
That's just not true. And if he said that, and if he was stubborn to not implement RPOs into the offense for whatever reason it is, right? Whatever reason. That's foolish. And it is reason to dismiss him. Mm. Because that's that's just one of those things that you say we're leaving no stone unturned, is what Frank said multiple times. But you're refusing to implement more RPOs, a known offensive concept that Bryce Young executes at a high level that could help him with the protection issues that we have, that could help operate and facilitate the quick pass game. Like it makes no sense why you would want to continue that head coach being the overriding voice for your franchise quarterback's development. Mm -hmm. If that is the stubborn attitude and if that's the refusal to adapt and work cohesively with your quarterback, he 100% needed to go. Don't care how nice he was. That is a fireable offense in itself. And, and Scott Fitterer approaching him, saying something about that, if that's the idea that he sold the front office on about what he would do here, it's not them meddling. It's them asking for accountability and saying, hey, where is all that shit you were talking back in January when you got the job? Where is it? That's not meddling, man. Like, <laughs> But so I just, I want people, David Tepper doesn't need any help. Um being made to look silly and like he oversteps his um reach right Mm -hmm. he's gonna do that on his own he did that with his nine minute press conference where he took six questions why why six questions that he took or maybe seven because he answered the one on the way out somebody reminded him that they had bryce young and that you should probably say something nice about him um but he also let's touch real quick on that real fast before we move on to the preview when they have the Charlotte Business Journal inside that press conference to talk about the future trajectory of the Carolina Panthers football team and Bryce Young after firing your head coach midway through the season for the second year in a row. And you give Charlotte Business Journal a question over Scott Fowler because we know of the issues that he has with Scott Fowler. Fowler published a really good column the night before talking about Tepper should fire himself which is essentially just saying you should remove yourself from the football duties. He wasn't saying sell the team. We know that they've had an issue in pressers before from reporting about beat reporters. Fowler was sitting in the front row right next to Vashti Hertz of Carolina Blitz and had his hand up the entire time and got overlooked by the PR guy that was handling everything. Vashti also did not get an opportunity to ask a question. Sheena, Sheena Quick did not get an opportunity to ask a question. These are beat reporters that are in the building multiple days a week that are in tune with the game, in tune with the team. And you give Charlotte Business Journal one of the six questions. It's calculated. It's cowardly. um, and And it really just shows that Tepper is aware of his responsibilities and his shortcomings here, but he doesn't want to talk about them. And most of his press conference was him saying that he would not get into particulars which is a hilarious thing to say (laughs) when you are holding a press conference to get into particulars. I mean, it is just a wild thing, man. The highlight of Charlotte sports fans should be that he brought Messi here and that he brought Garth Brooks here and that he can seamlessly trans or or transform from the artificial turf into a a concert floor in no time. And he's seamlessly done it. And he's really helped the economy of Charlotte, this struggling economy of Charlotte, North Carolina, the finance capital of the United States, right? Right. Like, he's really done a lot for us, man. 
Before he was here, I never heard music in the city. I'm born and raised. <laughs> never heard a single concert here. Soccer, we didn't even know what that was. There was no soccer fields in existence. So I'm very happy that he did all of that for the struggling city of Charlotte, North Carolina. But I would love it if next time during a football press conference, he actually spoke about football and, and what he has been involved in up to this point. It's, I mean, why can't everybody just be Bryce Young? Like, yeah. I need to do better. I, I'm sorry, guys. I need to do yeah. better. I'm going to try. I'm gonna, right. Yeah, I'm going to work my butt off. I'm going to do everything I can. I, I, I messed up. I did the wrong thing. I'm trying to fix it. Like, just be that guy. We, yep. we'll, we'll take that. Like, being a narcissist and just yep. telling us all the good things that you've done. Like, we're not stupid. Like, what? Like, just be Bryce Young, man. I love, man, I, I'm so glad we have Bryce Young. I'm, I'm just glad the, it's on me. Gotta be, yep. It's Mike Tomlin that we were talking about last week. Yep. I gotta be better. We got to be better. We got to be better. And we're going to be better. And we owe that to the city of Charlotte. We owe it to our fan base. If you just do that, you don't have to say anything else. Right. You don't have to talk about CJ Stroud. You don't right. have to talk about the football, uh, the uh, the soccer team. Right. You don't talk about anything. Right. We got to be better. Um, that's all I need. That's all I need to know. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw one name, one last quick name out too, because I, I pivoted real fast off the coaches because we started talking about Tepper. And I, we do need to get to the preview real quick. But um Frank Smith, the offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, is a name that has been mentioned a lot of times. Um, wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't hate it at all. And when I was on uh, Panthers on Tap the other night, the, uh, there was also another guest, J.J. Hardy, um, the creator and owner of Panthers Culture. Super awesome dude, man. He's got a lot of really great insight and perspective on the Panthers. Been a Panthers fan for a long time. Been a football fan for a long time. Just a really smart, insightful dude. Um, and he said that Frank Smith was his dark horse candidate that he liked a whole lot. Um, so I want to give a little bit of credit there for him bringing that up. And, and Bryson, um, one of the hosts of Panthers on Tap, also was a uh, proponent of Frank Smith. And that's where the question came from. So I, I do want to mention his name because I think that that'll be a name that we hear a lot in the next. Yeah, that I, I, I want to make sure I acknowledge. Give me anybody under that Shanahan tree. Anybody. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, uh, all right. Cool. Uh, and then uh, a lot of people are going to say Brian Johnson. I'm not as sold on Brian Johnson. But um, I wanted uh, Brian Johnson to be offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, and what I've seen with that offense is that they've had some difficulties with that. It hasn't looked yeah. as as uh, well flowing or as as nicely put together as tightly run as it was under Steichen or Steichen. Um, so I I I think I would hold off on the promotion for him. Yes. I still think that he's a very bright offensive mind, and I would take him in a second as an offensive coordinator because I think he can develop in that role. But I wouldn't necessarily elevate him to head coach after this year. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I I just know that's a name that's been floating out there, so I'm going to bring him up. Yep. All right, um, let's get into the game preview. Yeah. Uh, let me give you the injury report real fast. Yep. Um, we're actually fairly healthy. Um Oh, we got Von Bell out. We got Hayden Hurst out, and we got uh, Trimble doubtful. But everybody else uh, has is looking pretty good for everybody that's not on IR is looking pretty good for uh, Sunday. Guys, that we might be, we might be the healthiest team on the field for once this year. Levante David uh, did not practice. Did not practice. We don't have their practice support yet. Um, Jamel Dean, I doubt uh, plays. Uh, he took a. Um, he, he, they looked bad coming off the field last week. Um, so that's a defensive back that hopefully we can exploit. Uh, he was did, did not practice, did not practice. Um, and then you got uh, uh, Mike Green, defensive tackle, did not practice, did not practice. And then Devin White, 
uh, limited practice, did not practice. So, and Godwin's been dealing with a, a neck injury. There's a chance that he doesn't go. Um, so we, we might be the healthiest uh, team on the field, which is going to be a first for us this year. Um, so that we're already starting off good. And uh, t- let's just talk about, uh, let's go offense, defense, like we always do. What are you looking for on the offensive side of the ball against their defense? So on their defense, um, I think that their strength is going to be in their rush defense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're ninth in the league, according to stat views, in rush yards allowed. Um, points allowed, they're 11th overall. They've got a pretty stout front. Um Linebackers you just talked about with the injuries, though, that's that's a significant part for their run defense. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be interesting. The On offense for us, I look for more motion, and I look for more yes. advantage creating um, with Thomas Brown, right? Um, I saw something. I saw a really interesting stat. The Panthers have, and this was from Sharp Analysis, I believe, they, the Panthers have 21 passing plays of 20 or more yards. That's 31st in the league, right? Yeah. They're, they're really bad, and we know that. As Panthers yeah. fans, we know that. But here's the interesting, and we do this, I think, every week where we talk about these contrasting stats, right? Because there's that's where you win and lose games, I think, is when you decide, are you going to play to your strengths? Or are you going to attack defenses or, or weaknesses on the other side? It's a really interesting chess match for me. Um, mm-hmm. Buccaneers have allowed 45 passing plays of 20 or more yards, 29th in the league. So they are allowing a ton of explosive pass plays, and we are not generating hardly any explosive pass plays. Um, We know that their run defense is better. We also know that our run offense is better. So do we try to do our strength against their strength, or do we try to attack their weakness? I would love to say this could be an opportunity for Bryce Young to get some stuff going. You get Thomas Brown. I think that he feels free and confident this week that he can just start deploying some things. He's not going to lose his job over the next six weeks. Go nuts. Go crazy. Throw some things out there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's something that he can do. I think that we should run more play action. I think that we should run more under center. Yes. Um, We probably won't see the 12 personnel looks with Hayden Hurst and Tommy Tremble. Hayden Hurst out, Tremble doubtful. You may see Stephen Sullivan and Ian Thomas on the field together, but it won't be the same um, aspect of staying multiple because Stephen Sullivan is not a blocker. Stephen Sullivan is a pass-catching tight end, and he's probably our most dynamic pass-catcher right now that we've had on offense the past couple of weeks which is saying a whole lot. Hmm. Now, I did see that Mingo was dealing with some injuries on our part, too. I think he was a full participant, so he should be good to go. Yeah, but Achilles. Maybe, maybe Terrace Marshall Jr. gets mm-hmm. a little bit of action. Maybe Michael Strahan gets out there a little bit more. Maybe ISM gets some looks. I would like to see, and I know that Thomas Brown is a Rams guy where he keeps the rotation tight because that's what they did in L.A. But what they did in L.A. is they had good receivers to keep it tight with. I think that what you should do here is you should show that ability to be flexible. And I think you should use a number of receivers. And I think you should draw up some things to their strengths. Maybe mm. we don't throw as many screens to Adam Thielen. Maybe we throw some screens to ISM, right? Maybe we do create some downfield opportunities and you throw them. I'm not saying put it out there for no reason and just chuck it up and, and make a jump ball. But I think that you got to call up a few of those opportunities. And I, and I hope that Thomas does that. Um, 
I think you can implement a little bit more of the power run. You don't have to change the blocking scheme entirely, but you also don't have to operate one blocking scheme for an entirety of a game, right? That's one of the things we talked about Ben Johnson. Man, he uses all five of the number or the top five run scheme, blocking schemes in the NFL. He uses all five at almost an even rate. <laughs> like he's the only coach that was charted in 2022 as using the top five run schemes, the blocking schemes at over 10% for each one of them. He he mixes he mixes stuff up, man, and he does what works in the flow of a game, what works to the strength of his team. I would hope that Thomas Brown has a little bit of that ability in his bag that he can open up for us. That would be something I I, I would look into. Um, but without the 12 personnel, I expect to see more under center and more play action and some more RPO concepts, man. Yeah, I I I I think I think this is gonna look I think I think we're gonna su- surprise people this week with offense. Um I my biggest fear, I think we're gonna get a ton of yardage. My biggest fear is gonna be the red zone. Um yeah. can we punch it in? But I think bold prediction. Uh, Bryce Young has 300 yards passing this game. Woo! Yeah, I man. Just, do, you, do you know how happy you would make people mm-hmm. if that happened, man? If yeah. you can speak that kind of thing into existence, oh, man, that would be incredible. Yeah, my biggest thing is I don't know if we can get it in the end zone. Uh, that's going to be that's gonna be the... I, I, I don't know about our red zone offense, but I think that we will, between the 20s, I think we're going to look real good. Um, uh, yeah, so let's uh, talk about the defense a little bit. Yep. So defensively, what you worry about with Tampa Bay Mm -hmm. is their passing attack. Um, and it's not really that their passing attack is so good. It's that their rushing attack has been really bad so far. Now, Rashad White kind of turned something around though, the past couple of weeks. I thought that he's looked better and I think that they put more of an onus on it. And we know that the Panthers struggle against the run. So I wouldn't be surprised for them to take the same approach that we saw the Vikings take, that we've seen the Seattle Seahawks take. We've seen multiple teams identify our weakness and attack it. Um, But from their standpoint on offense, they are 31st in the league in rushing, and they're 32nd in yards per carry at 3.3. I mean, it's pretty abysmal. They don't don't run the ball that well. Um, They're 20th overall in pass yards. They're 15th in sacks allowed. So middle of the road, they allow pressure. They don't give up a ton of sacks. Um, They're 23rd at points scored. So it's not like they're an explosive offense. They have pieces to be an explosive offense. And their offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, the first-year guy, I think that he's done a pretty good job of scheming up to Baker's strengths, right? They went from a team that was bottom of the barrel, 32nd ranked in in offense in terms of play action. And they've implemented play action on, like, I think it was 27% is what I saw. They have play action on 27%. You shift emotions on 48% of offensive snaps. They run an RPO 28% of the time. How about that? Yeah. Um, they operate out of 11 personnel, 70%, 12 personnel, 25%. So <clears throat> where we have another contrasting stat, because <laughs> you know that's my jam, right? Yeah. 80.9% of the Tampa Bay touchdowns have come via passing. That's tied for third in the NFL. The Panthers have a really good secondary and pass defense. Well, not really good secondary. Let me not say that. A really good scheme developed by Evero to compensate for the injuries that we have in the secondary. And they have limited the effectiveness of opponents' air games, right? Our defense is third in pass yards. That's crazy, man. Third in pass yards allowed. 
Now we're 28th in points allowed. That sucks. Yeah, like, we're giving them the ball. Like, yeah, that's it. Situational <laughs> football, right? Contest yeah. to it. But where the contrast is to that Tampa Bay stat of 17 of the 21 of their touchdowns coming via passing, 58.1% of the touchdowns against Carolina have come via the run, the highest rate in the league. So does Tampa try to throw the football despite knowing that they can run the football against us? Is it a Baker Mayfield wants his revenge? We're going to try to put Baker in position. And and there shouldn't be a ton of revenge. Like, it's not like we did anything wrong. Oh, uh, yeah. Also, we let him out of his contract. We let him go, like, play for the Rams. Like, we like we released him. So, hey, sorry. We had a little bit of technical difficulty, but we're back uh, for the last little five minutes of the show. Uh, do you remember what you were talking about, Ricky, with um, our defense? No. Yeah, I think we were just talking about the contrast of the of the Buccaneers throwing 80% or 81% of their touchdowns have come from throwing the ball. We allow almost 60% of the touchdowns are on the ground. So there's that contrast. So we're going to have to see what they shake out and try to do. And they have Mike Evans, the Panther killer. Yeah. Um, so I, man, I actually see, I'm going to take the over in this game. I actually am going to bet this game because I have a little bit of extra funds okay. to bet. Uh, I, like the, I like the over in this game. Um, I think we should go right into best because I know you got to go. Yeah. Um, not best, but predictions. <laughs> um, I think I want to take the optimistic view because I think we're going to move the ball and it's going to come down to our red zone offense. Okay. But if we convert in the red zone, I think we need two. And if we get two, I think we get two touchdowns, three field goals. I like us to score 23 points to their 21 points. I got us 20, 23, 21, 23, 21. Um, so I will go 24 to 20 Tampa Bay. Um, I We're think the same range. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's going to be a close game. I think that the Panthers put two touchdowns up. Um, I just I, I have a hard time picking the Panthers right now until I see enough that makes right. me feel good about it. Um, I will gladly accept being wrong on it if the Panthers pull out a W, but I don't want to hype myself up too much. So I'll say 24-20 Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think uh, it's exactly what's happened to us almost every time. We have a drive at the end of the game, and this time we're down 21-20. We kick a field goal, we win the game. Well, and you know, for what it's worth, uh, interim head coaches do have a pretty good record in their first game when they take over that position. So if there ever is a game for Carolina to kind of surprise people and come out and win, this could be it. Yeah. And we, I mean, you're uh, the way DJ chart talked about Thomas Brown. They, they, yep. they really like him. They love him. Yep. So, so I think they're going to rally around him. Uh, I think they loved Caldwell and I think Tabor's like, eh, whatever. He's just the base. Tabor's a fun guy, man. I think he's yeah. got him out there playing good football and having yeah. fun, you know? Yeah. He's like, he's like grandpa. He's like, yeah, right. like <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, we like you. Like you're, you, you just kind of like, you're, you're babysitting he's us. Fun uncle Chris, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think Thomas Brown yeah, gets game ball too. Yeah. 20, 23, 21. Uh, it's mine. And we'll see what happens. Baker's playing really good ball. That uh, office coordinator Canales is having them playing really, really well. Yeah. We got, it's gotta be a big Derek Brown game. Cause I think yeah. you can um, get him up the middle. Uh, get Baker out of the pocket. When he goes out of the pocket, that's when he's inaccurate. That's when he makes mistakes. Yep. So um, I think Derek Brown will have a huge, uh, him and Lou will be gotta, big, gotta big. Move, you're right. You got to move Baker off of his spot. Get him, right. get him uncomfortable and make him make some mistakes and let him start forcing some things. And, and I think that 
Evero can confuse him enough with his coverages as well. Um, yeah. So it'll be an interesting game, man. I'm, I'm hoping that when we do this next week, we're talking about a win. Yep. Yeah. Me, me too. Um, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Go pick up your kid. I think, right. Yeah. It's, it's pickup time, man. That's the reason we got to cut this a little bit short, but hopefully uh, okay. everybody enjoys the beginning part of it. You know what I mean? I know that we kind of like, uh, hodgepodge the end and got it out really fast, but hey, man, that happens sometimes. I think I think that's the most important part. The people want to want to know more about the Reich set than the than the, the game preview. But yeah. we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, all right, we'll end it like we do every time with a keep pounding, keep pounding. <laughs>